When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up. That is the promo code. That's the promo code. I just pointed to it perfectly. It's so hard. Look at that. I just guessed right where did I get. People don't realize that's superimposed on the screen. It's not right. actually right here. Right. But look how impressive this is. Looks great. <laughs> impressive. I'm great joined. work, Kale. Uh, we got a Wednesday. Yeah, great work, Kale. We got a great uh, Wednesday show going for you. The last day of this little midseason um, break. Yeah. And then we're right back in it. Then the sprint begins. I'm joined by my main man, Harrison Wynn. Happy birthday to you. That's all That's all you get. That's all you get. That's all Hit the music. Get him to go. That was, hey, Kale, as a former drama slash choir person, how would you grade that performance? Uh, 10 out of 10. 10 out of wow. 10? Wow. I didn't wow. think it was that good. I should have stuck in choir. A real, uh, <laughs> a real Lyle. Is it Lyle Lovett? It's Lyle Lovett. He's married to Julia Roberts. Is this too old of a reference for you guys? He had curly hair like that anyway. Sure. Uh, on today's show, Eric is uh, out today. Obviously, Superstar Dev's off on, on non-game days, and Brendan Vote still on vacation. Can't believe that guy, man. He's taking the longest He's vacation. living it up. Living the dream uh, wherever he is. Um... Today's show, guys, the Nuggets had practice for, I think, just the fifth time all season, at least for media availability yeah. here in Denver. So we're going to – we talked to Nikola Jokic. We talked to Bones Highland. We talked to Michael Malone. Um, some good stuff there. We're going to spend the first segment talking about it. In the second segment, we're going to be joined by Bronco Squatch, who is a salary cap expert, obviously Denver Nuggets fan, and he's going to be joining us to talk about the – ramifications of the yet-to-be-official but anticipated DeMarcus Cousins signing Excited for the rest for of the year um, and other things that we should be taking away from the Nugget salary cap situation. And then in segment three, we're going to talk about Jamal Murray and just kind of gush over him. I miss the guy, man. I miss him really bad. <sighs> I miss him too. Nicole Jokic misses him more probably. <laughs> I, th- I think he might. That's a he really cool. misses that guy. Uh, it's funny, man. <laughs> This happened in the bubble. That those two, you just start thinking of those guys as a duo. Like, look, Jokic transcends even a duo. He's that great. He's the MVP. You know all of this stuff. But you, they really are a duo. And you could tell like, Jokic is like a sad puppy. Right. Like he definitely misses Jamal Murray way more than Michael Porter Jr. Well, I mean, they've gone through more. They've gone through more. Let's they have start. gone Come through on, the Harris. battles. Let's not start a thing. I can already see what you're doing here. Like, this gets clipped now, and it's going to be everywhere. That's just what I think. That's, that's my <laughs> person. My personal opinion is he misses more, one more than the other. But no, you're right. I mean, we're going to talk about this in the third segment. But the bubble was was Jamal Murray's moment, and you know, it started against the Jazz, and then it went to the Clippers. But yeah, in the bubble, they established themselves as arguably the best duo in the NBA, no. and it's crazy because that ascension happened. It feels like in the span of four games. Four so, first round games right, against the Jazz. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was like, when we're going to go later on, talk about all the good games. There's so many, like, that bubble was really just nothing but a highlight reel of Jamal Murray. But before we get there, like, so you just brought some energy to this. And I, and 
today, one of the things as we went to practice, one of the things I was most looking forward to was getting a Jamal Murray update. We didn't really get that today um, from anything official. But I, what I would say is that my read on the situation and even talking to Jokic, I don't get the sense that this is right around the corner. No. Meaning there was always a hope of like, could it be an early March or could it be, you know, even maybe a mid-March? And I don't know, like... Uh, it's like from what we're hearing, not really participating in the practice portions just yet or contact or those types of things with Jamal, Michael Porter, even less of an update. Um, were you disappointed at all that we didn't get a more concrete update today? And do you read anything into we're not hearing about contact drills or anything yet? Mm. Disappointed? No. I, I wasn't expecting an update right. where Michael Malone was going to say, yes, they're coming back in three weeks right. or something well, like that. Or they're, you know, ramping up. They're looking very close. Like, I wasn't even expecting that. Well, here's one thing that didn't happen today. So because there's a flight, they're going to Sacramento, right? So they had a quick flight. By the time the doors were open for media, everybody was gone. So this wasn't even an opportunity to look around the gym. I don't. Did you even see Jamal today? No. Yeah, and, and it's not because he wasn't there. It's just that by the time they opened it up, everybody was already off the court except for Jokic, Bones, and, and uh, Michael Malone, who were talking to the media. They were kind of pulled aside. No. And usually they open it up for you to see the last 5'10", like even that today. I, so I got no look. I didn't even see Jamal Murray. I didn't even see Michael Porter. Yeah. I mean, right before the All-Star break, Michael Malone said what he's been saying for the last couple of months and was like, yeah, you know, we don't know when he's coming back. No pressure to come back this season. He could come back. He might not come back. He's progressing, blah, blah, blah. It was pretty much the same non-update that we got. And that was, you know, right before the All-Star break. So they had the break. You know, nobody's really in the gym together. They're getting, like, much less, I feel like, one-on-one -on -one time or, or just time with Jamal Murray during that period. So I wasn't surprised that, you know, th there wasn't an update. But... I still think he's on track to come back this season. Uh, you know, maybe that timeline has gotten pushed back a little. Maybe it hasn't because right. Denver never set a timeline in the first place. Right. But I still feel confident that he's coming back. Yeah, he's not doing contact. But you know, what really is the definition of contact? You know, because I've seen him warm up and go one on one right. with an assistant pregame. There's a little bit of contact there. So. Yeah, it's just so it's so safe though, yeah. right? That con you're right that they are playing where they're trying to block shots and they're trying to drive, but it's just it's different. It's still like the safest possible environment, which probably tells you that they're not fully comfortable going in an unsafe environment. Right. Yeah. When you're when you say you're practicing with full contact, that means you're going 100%. Okay. You know, like that that doesn't mean you're going half speed or or three even three quarter speed. I feel like when you say somebody's practicing with contact. That means, you know, no restrictions, good to go, 100%. That's what I think, at least. I'm a little disappointed. And and the the talking to Jokic today, he did talk about how much he misses him and this or that. But the other thing he said, he asked about, like, if he's excited or this or that. And he said, to be honest, I'm not really thinking about it. He says mm -hmm. he doesn't get excited because he wants him to get healthy first, but that he's not even thinking about Murray's return. And yeah. To me, again, it could be nothing. Yoke's a, Yoke's a different beast, right? Like he's he he's he he's different than most superstars who maybe would be like, yeah, I'm excited even if it was months away. Um, but I don't know my my intuition on this. I'm not reporting this. This is my own intuition. Is that I'm a little concerned that the more optimistic timelines are going to be unlikely, and maybe even the sort of par. Like we all thought, maybe mid March would be par. I'm almost starting to worry for even those dates right now. Yeah. And again, just intuition. Well, what you have to think about is 
look, there's only 24 games left. Mm-hmm. This is one of the latest all-star breaks ever, yeah. you know, in, in league history. So you think about, you know, maybe he needs like three weeks to, to really ramp up to where he's playing like 30 minutes a game. Um, and so that timeline keeps getting shorter and shorter, that ramp-up timeline, just because there's not a ton of games left. 24 games, it's a good chunk, but it's way less or less than you would usually have coming out of the all-star break. So I would think, and I would hope if I'm the nuggets that he's, you know, practicing doing contact, uh, (laughs) you know, ramping up with at least 15 games to go. Right. Because you want to get him a little regular season action before the playoffs, of course. Um, So I think that would be the hope. Once you get to around that 15 game mark, uh, that's when I, I feel like it'd still be a good timeline for him to come back on. 15 games to go would be March 12th against Toronto. That's the 15th to last game. That is a Saturday. So it's a Saturday game. It's against the Raptors. I don't know if that means anything. Mm. But it is sandwiched in between, like right after that is a road trip, a three-game road trip. I have a hard time imagining they would bring him back and then go into a road trip. Uh, maybe they would. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to set par for this. Sunday, March 20th versus Boston. The following game would be Tuesday against the Clippers, which is on national television. It's on TNT. I think I'm going to set par for that. The Nuggets come back from a three-game road trip out east, and then they play Boston on March 20th. To me, that's my new updated date of par. Are you taking before or after? <sighs> or did I nail it? Bullseye. You might have nailed it. I mean, it's it's close to what I just said with the 15 games. It's like 11 games would be remaining in the year. Yeah. A lot of home games, though. Only three Road, how crazy is Denver's schedule this year? At that point, there would be eight home games and three road games. That's how they end the season. That is wild. Uh, yeah, I mean, he'd probably come back at home, I would think. like That would that would make sense. That would be easiest, I, I would think, for an injured guy to come back. You know what's also nice about that? There's not a single back-to-back at that point. So if he came back that in Boston nice. at home, it, he would have 11 straight games. Eight of which are at home, none yeah. of which would be a back-to-back. So, if you look at how Zach Levine came back from his torn ACL years back, I don't. I always compare those two because yeah. you know they play a similar position, similar style game. I feel right. like Zach Levine a little more athletic, but you, you get the gist of it. I think looking back at his game log, it took him like nine or ten games to get to where he was playing thirty minutes. Okay, so I would use that as a bit of a barometer man that's crazy absolutely crazy and all of this is to say we really don't know the team is being tight-lipped about it but i just trying to read the tea like Jokic's level of excitement is not matching what my level of excitement would be if yeah. i were Jokic and marie was two weeks away this is not i can that. relate to nico in this because i also just never get excited about stuff before it happens yeah like i'm always a total pessimist where i think yeah. oh this is never gonna happen yeah. like if it's like anything, if I'm gonna get a player interview, I just assume it's not gonna happen. Like I'll that's pre- a safe bet. Yeah, though. I'll that's prepare for bet. it, but you know, just assume it's not gonna happen because All that's right. just how that stuff goes in life. I just I'm a pessimist about stuff. I don't like to get excited about things before they're 100 percent happening. Um, Jokic had an interesting answer too. I've asked him if you know five six days off, whatever it's been for him has been a good mental rest if it's been appropriate and he said no and it was a real downer like he was Jokic by the way today we're we're posting the interviews I've recorded all of them so they'll be up on our YouTube page very sure they're already up there oh don't tell people that yet they'll tune off of here and go and rush over there they're not up there 
Uh, they're not up there yet. Don't go. Um, but we, uh, he talked about like he was he was not in the best of moods in terms of like ex- I mean he never wants to talk to the media. But you know it wasn't the Joker. Like we didn't have like cracking jokes this or that. Um, but he said no. But he's used to it. He says now it's four or five years, whatever it is in a row, that this break is not really a mental break at all. But that it doesn't matter. He's just he knew it wouldn't be. Yeah. He was definitely not excited, at least from what I could tell, to be back. But that's how he is after every All-Star break. And do I have 100% confidence that he's going to lock in and play really yep, well exactly. right after this? That's the thing. Absolutely. <laughs> because the dude's a machine. Yeah. And this is just the course of an NBA season. You know, this is just the process. Uh, you get the little break. You go to All-Star. You shake some hands. You laugh a little bit. Yeah. You have a couple funny moments. You get a couple days off, and you're right back to it. It's... You know, I don't think many stars would be happy to be back. But, um, yeah, I, I think he's just normal Nicola. He's a normal Nicola is a good way to put him. Um, he Just to confirm, he did say that Luka Doncic was the guy he spent the most time with. So yes. I was asked about that, and it, he said it was easily Luka. He says not a, a new, like they've been friends in the past, but the that Balkan he spent the most, the most time with him. So take that and run with it. Um I did ask him about his quote, though, about leadership. And because I shared it on Twitter the other day, it went pretty viral about how he said it's mostly mental. And you got to love Yoke because it was such a refreshingly honest answer he gave about leadership and calm. And I asked him about it today, and he said, to be honest, I just said that because I didn't have anything else to say. So, Yoke, anytime you're like, man, he he said the perfect thing. And he's like, yeah, I just panicked and said that. Well, I think a lot of times Jokic, when he's backed into a corner about questions like that, he just says what he thinks people want to hear. You think? You think that was him being a people pleaser? Yeah. Oh my god, I don't know, yeah. bro. I, I think know. it is because, man, honestly, like he said, this is the next evolution of his game for the last couple of years. <laughs> I don't know. Coming into last season, that was his number. Yeah, one but it's focus. a pro- here's the thing about leadership, and in, in specifically in this way. This isn't like a handle or a post move where it's like I really worked on my mid-range game this summer and like you put the hours in and it's there. Like that's the thing. First of all, you can't practice leadership. Right. It's not like he could go home and like look in the mirror and be like, all right, everybody gather around and practice a speech. So to me, that like I don't expect that to – he could be talking about this the last three years. But it honestly probably takes a long time for him to perfect that. And you're probably a better leader. Most people, not LeBron James, but most people are a better leader in year 15 than they are in year five. And I think Jokic will be the same should he make it to 15 years. But he did mention that Jameer Nelson was the guy that he's played with that he respects the most as a leader. And it was no quite – like I asked him that. It was no hesitation. He was like, Jameer Nelson is a guy I really respect as a leader. It was such a fascinating answer because – Jameer Nelson, when was he on the Nuggets? His Jokic's rookie year. Right. Was that it? Was he here for his no, sophomore no, no. season? It was, no, it was his sophomore season. It wasn't rookie. J- just his yeah. sophomore year. Yeah. I mean, the guy is seven years into the league now. Like That was a while ago. I know. So just but who to, else would it have been? That's what we were saying. Yeah. That answer leads me to believe that the Nuggets just haven't had a lot of leaders since. Right. Jameer Nelson, this 15-year vet, old dude, been around the block, won everywhere that he's been except maybe that one year in Denver. They were on <laughs> no, 500, no, 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 40 no. and 42 that You know, year? though, that year was Jokic's second most efficient year ever, and I do not think it's a coincidence. Sure. One, having a true point guard. but I, And it's funny, though, we think about this, and this is important context. Jameer was a great leader. I mean, he's won everywhere he Absolutely. went in his career. But everybody at that time wanted Moutier to play more. It was like, why is Jameer playing more than Moutier? And honestly, it's like, guys, 
at the time, everyone thought Moutier's development was most important. You know whose development was actually most important? Jokic's. Nikola Jokic. And guess who helped him in that development? Yeah, Jameer, Jameer Nelson. Nelson. So sometimes you could be frustrated in the short term about this or that, but clearly it has made an yeah. impact. But what I was thinking about that is here's Jameer Nelson handing the leadership baton off to Nikola Jokic right. when Jokic is 22, 23 years yeah, old. really young. And Jokic is like, what do I do with this? English isn't even my first language. Right. How am I going to tell like, Kenneth Fareed what to do? He doesn't respect me yet. So I think in this department, like Jokic has grown leaps and bounds. Like the leader he is now, and he's absolutely the Nuggets leader. Um, it, yeah. it's, it's not even comparable to even where he was as a leader a couple years ago. Your point about the language barrier is, is an important one, I think, because, and it's the one Michael Malone made when he was asked about it. And he said, first of all, he actually said no res no disrespect to Jameer Nelson, but I think Jokic can be a great leader. And I think what he was trying to say was, don't even, like, Jokic can be a great leader in and of himself. Like, you don't even have to compare him to these other guys. Yeah. Meaning, what I took that to mean is that I really do think Michael Malone was trying to say, hey, you guys don't see it because you're not around like, I, like he is. But that there actually has been a lot of growth in that department for Jokic. Mm -hmm. Um but he did also talk about why that growth maybe has been a seven years process. And you're right. The language barrier is a hard part of it. Like, how do you how do you charismatically say things to people when you have to, like, think about every word? It's It really is a challenge. And it, I thought about this a lot over All-Star Weekend. Jokic's English, still not that great. Yeah. Like, Dirk's English, when he first came, if you see Dirk as a rookie, his interviews, just like Jokic as a rookie. You see Dirk, like, 10 years into his career, he spoke perfect English. Jokic speaks perfect English. It's just that it's a little fragmented, and you can still tell it takes him a while. I don't know. I almost feel like the next phase of Jokic's development, grammar. <laughs> That's what he's going to be focused on coming into next season. I'm just saying, if you know, Jokic, want to hang yeah. out? I'll work with you. I've taught English before in the past. I uh, get you up to snuff. All hey. kinds of phrases. Wow, you're, you're a talented guy. I mean, I'm telling you, I've the, been around. One aspect of Jokic's leadership that I have noticed this year, definitely more so than last year, the guy just takes the whiteboard during huddles and is just drawing up plays. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that. In years past, maybe the cameras yeah. just didn't catch it. I don't know. I feel like they would have if it was happening. But I feel like he's taking – he's more comfortable taking the command of a huddle in that way. Yeah. Michael Malone, look to me, we're just kind of fly through this before we take our first break. Michael Malone went to Kansas City to watch his daughter's volleyball tournament and said he completely unplugged for the Nuggets for several days and it's the only chance in the season to do that. Um, and he looked like it, man. He looked like a guy – <laughs> Jokic not necessarily looking very refreshed. Michael Malone, I thought, looked very refreshed. Like, yeah. okay, he got some time away, and it was good for him. And it's meaningful to me that the Nuggets only practiced once today, meaning they prioritized time off more than they prioritized, like, going through plays or this or that. And um, I, Michael Malone has his pulse on the team. It sounded like that was probably a good thing. And then lastly, Bones Highland talked. You guys could check out the full interview up. I didn't think there were tons of good takeaways, although stay tuned. There might be more uh, Bones Highland coming up here on this very show very shortly. Um, he did talk about Gary Payton really liked him, said that he he's a he just saw that he has that dog in him that Gary Payton had, and that's why he thinks Gary Payton took to him so well. Um, he did talk about the process of learning the O, the rhythm of it, and the and how he's more confident now knowing what plays to call and what moments or this or that. Um, and then he did mention, he says he doesn't think he is going to hit the rookie wall. He was asked about that. And for whatever reason, he thinks he said, it's my energy just is probably not going to, I'm not even going to feel mm -hmm. a rookie wall. So 
whether it's true or not, you would expect no other answer from Bones. But I will say he doesn't. It'll be something to watch because I think he's going to play a lot of minutes coming up over the, the back half or the final stretch of the season. But he doesn't appear to be fatigued in any way. Yeah, well, you know, he hasn't been playing heavy, heavy minutes so far. And he was starting, but still, you know, I don't think he ever approached like 40 minutes a game. Right, right. Uh, in right. college, you no, know, he was the guy. He was playing a lot. Uh, yeah. Those games are shorter, but he was still playing a larger majority of the minutes. So uh, I believe him. I, I feel like just from an energy perspective, like how his legs are feeling, I, I think he's okay. Um, <laughs> Let's take a break. On the other side, I got Jake Coyne uh, coming up, a.k.a. Brocko Squatch. Fantastic uh, follow on Twitter, but also a, a great resource for all things collective bargaining agreements. We're going to talk to him about DeMarcus Cousins on the other side of this very break. Sexy pizza, guys. They've got, first off, awesome pizzas, hand-tossed. Uh, they use deck oven uh, made from scratch each morning is their dough they've got awesome pizzas great sides the garlic knots are awesome uh, really good salads as well 12 16 and 18 inch crust uh, sexy pizza it's great they're denver through and through they're a part of this colorado community so if you're craving pizza hit up sexy pizza you can order online at www.sexy.pizza. They've got locations in Cap Hill, South Pearl, Jefferson Park, and Park Hill. So no matter where you're at in Denver, you can hit up one of their four locations. Their location in Trinidad, Colorado is open as well. Uh, like I said, they got everything, pizzas, sides, they've got wings as well, salads, dessert options too, gluten-free crust. So no matter what is your jam when it comes to pizza, Sexy Pizza's got you covered. Uh, also, Ranch Rider Spirits, launched oh, in 2019. Let's go. Born from a food truck in Austin, Texas. Their employee-owned Ranch Rider Spirits is a premium spirit-based seltzer. These things are really, really good. Uh, Ranch Rider Spirits was the first to put ranch water, the iconic Texan beverage, in a can. They use premium stuff. Reposado tequila, six times distilled vodka, sparkling water, and fresh-squeezed citrus. They don't use any added sugar, no artificial preservatives, no sugar, and they taste really good. Uh, they're one of the top 10 fastest selling alcohol brands in the country. Uh, so pick some up today. Go to ranchriderspirits.com to find a location near you. Guys, by the way, speaking of Ranch Rider, check out our takeover, which is happening on March 26th. We've got somebody coming in from Ecuador for this. For wow. this, we have somebody coming in from France. I'm sure we're gonna have some people coming in from different states from around uh, for this. If you don't know, it's at the be honestly the best time. Like, you come here to the bar. We drink, we all get to meet each other. We'll put name tags on so everybody can kind of know each other's screen names or whatever and just talk nuggets. Ride the bus over, all sit together. We have our own little cheering section. And I'm telling you, March 26th, there is a great chance that Jamal Murray plays in that game. A great chance even that Michael Porter plays in that game. Who knows, it might even be a debut. You're gonna be a kicking yourself. Debut? If there is one of those debuts and you were not part of the greatest way to watch the Nuggets with a bunch of diehard Denver Nuggets fans, plus it's the Oklahoma City Thunder, they're probably gonna crush, uh, knock on wood. <laughs> and then here's the cool part, the Ranch Rider tie-in. There's a chance, I don't know if this is gonna happen, but there's a chance Ranch Rider is going to have the bus packed with Ranch Riders for you wow. to drink on the way over. So. Wow. Free of charge and everything else. Hell yeah. So, so, hell yeah. All right, guys, let's now bring in Bronco Squatch, a.k.a. Jake Coyne. Uh, you might know him from Reddit. You may also know him from Twitter, where he sh shares all kinds of knowledge on the collective bargaining agreement. Jake, what's happening, brother? 
Oh, you guys. There it is. Up, oh, Kale just brought it in. I'll pretend I understood what you said. Um, good to see you as well. I assume something like that. <laughs> um, so uh, before we get into some of this, like salary cap um, stuff, nerd talk. Uh, I, I want to find out first what you just think of Demarcus Cousins. Like, what's your impression been of Demarcus Cousins, the player, the basketball player with the Denver Nuggets through his eight games? Yeah, I think I think Demarcus has had a couple good moments. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, how good the bench unit has looked is entirely due, due to who he is as a player as right. much as it's due to that role of right. having a big man in offense and having a big man on defense. Um, but I do think uh, he's been a solid piece. Uh, I'd be a little concerned about his health going forward, right. um, signing into that last roster spot. I think that's a fair concern. Um, but overall, I think he's been, you know, about what you can expect from a backup center uh, that's playing 10 to 15 minutes a game. So. What about the stakes? Let's talk about the stakes here because it is a pretty like cheap deal. Forget that part of it. But just the idea of, OK, th they're going in on him as their answer there. If it doesn't work out, you're kind of back to Jermichael Green and Zeke Nagy or whatever oh it is. Do you think the stakes are, are low or high for DeMarcus Cousins to succeed over these 24 games? Um, I would say, I would say the stakes are, are somewhat, somewhat high just because we've seen how the bench unit has functioned otherwise. <laughs> right. Um, and we've seen that it hasn't been like the best experience overall. Um, so I think it's an important, you know, that's an important role that he's trying to fill and the Nuggets decided to use that spot on him, which means they're having some degree of faith that, that he'll be the guy to do what they need. Uh, to get done in that spot. And so if he's not able to do that, uh, we kind of go back to this bench unit that sort of struggled. And maybe by the playoffs, Monte is on that unit and it doesn't struggle as much. Um, but I think it would still be difficult for a lot of Nuggets fans to see uh, Jeff Green and Jamichael Green starting in that front court off the bench in the playoffs or whatever mix of front court guys you can think of. Do you get um, I think it would be tough, but I think it's an important uh, role that Cousins plays well here. Do you get into the lineup data a whole lot? Because you're right that that second unit has been atrocious, and I think it has been a combination of things. But one of the other things it's been is probably Faku being out of the lineup. We know that without DeMarcus Cousins, that was certainly a bad lineup for him, maybe even with him. Do you think there is maybe some hope that even if DeMarcus Cousins isn't the answer, just not having Faku in there could maybe be part of the answer? Yeah, I mean, I think there is something to that idea. Um, but I also think the struggles of the bench unit can always be pinned down on one player. Um, one thing I think the Nuggets struggle with is I think they have a lot of specialized players on their bench unit. Yeah. And they don't have as many guys that are just good basketball players yeah. um, that can do a bunch of different things. And sometimes I think when you're a contending team, you just need solid basketball players more than guys that really specialize in in one spot or another and i think Compazzo is a guy that really specializes at what he's good at and if you can put him in a role that emphasizes those strengths i think he's a great bench player um but i don't think denver has the the players that emphasize yeah. his strengths and i think that makes it difficult um so i do think there is something to having different guys in there I love the way you phrase that because this is my thing too and it's actually why I think DeMarcus Cousins is so valuable is because he can do a lot of things. It's his skill. Like he's just it, – it, more than anything, it's the fact that he can dribble, pass, and shoot, which is like Zeke Naji can shoot. 
but he can't really dribble or pass. Even Compazzo can't really, you know, he can dribble and pass, but he can't shoot. And I think that's part of why he struggled is you give him a lineup where there are no other creators and all of a sudden everybody's weaknesses are the thing that shines, including him. But let's get into this now. It's interesting to me that the, first of all, it's interesting on a lot of ways. Some of this is, I don't know how much people care. I've said this before. <laughs> Woj is the Denver Nuggets' newsbreaker, especially coming from the front office. If you just follow the history of the Nuggets, Woj breaks all these stories. Woj has not tweeted about the DeMarcus Cousins deal, and it's not official. All we get for the third time, I think, with DeMarcus Cousins news is Sham saying that the Nuggets eventually will. And then Mike Singer has confirmed this. I think it's definitely true. But it's interesting to me because we think maybe tomorrow. What would be the point of not signing him for this? You play the Sacramento Kings. That's a game you kind of need. They could definitely use him tomorrow in Sacramento. What's the point, in your opinion, of not signing him right away? Yeah, so I actually thought about this, too, because uh, I thought the timing was a little strange. Um, and there's really, like, three main things I think it could boil down to. Uh, the first is there's a chance it's not financially related, and maybe they think, hey, DeMarcus, we need you healthy. Take a couple extra days on this All-Star break. We'll get you back in here on Friday. Um, and see where it goes from there. At home, uh, the too. second reason would be maybe they want to see if any other guys come available in the next couple days. Um, hmm. You could think of like a Robin Lopez maybe or somebody right. like that could pop up and be available. Um, I, I'll just say I don't be, think it's that one. I don't think it's option two. Yeah. I, I, I Again, this I'm just thinking here, but I think that they are set on DeMarcus Cousins being the guy. It could no, be the I first one, though. You. If he was If he wasn't feeling good and they were like, okay – they, it, it would be weird yeah. to be like we're just we're gonna save nine grand and not play until you're cleared or ready or something and right. it's a little weird yeah it's i mean it, that's a little bit of a penny pinching situation right um and the third the third the third scenario kind of is too um but the third scenario is that it is financially motivated um and that would mean that there's a chance they're looking at possibly adding another guy uh plus demarcus cousins um in the buyout market and i don't know how deep we want to get into it and stuff but um, there are ways that they could do that um, it just depends on who's available i guess and if they see a good fit harrison you reported today you don't think that is the angle they're going yeah i don't you know like if there was an injury that happened yeah your priorities could change and maybe you need a point guard or you need a a, a wing yeah but yeah i, I don't think there's another addition coming. I, I mean, look, maybe a guy becomes available that they didn't think was going to be available. Right. And maybe they act in that way. But to make that happen, they'd probably have to, you know, cut Vodko. I think he'd be the guy you cut. What? Just because he's like not going to play. Yeah. And I think you'd, you'd probably rely on Faku more in the playoffs than Vodko. Okay. I would think. Yeah. So let's go in the weeds here. Why? What are the mechanisms or, or how would it work for them to do that? Yeah, well, I'll talk about what Harrison just brought up first with Flotco. Um, if they see that there's a reasonable chance that he doesn't really play again this season um, and get up to a, a good bill of health, they can just waive him. Um, and that doesn't mean he's he has to be totally away from the team. Um, so if you'll recall at the trade deadline, Utah traded Joe Ingles, who has a torn ACL. Um, and I know following that trade, he was staying in Utah and he was rehabbing his knee still. He still had access to some of those same 
same people and same facilities. Um, I don't know if that's still the case here now that he's still with Portland. Um, but you could do something like that with Vlatko um, and just wave him, say, hey, we're just going to try and keep you healthy. We'll still pay you, obviously, because we're waiving your guaranteed contract. Right. Um, but we're going to add somebody else. Maybe there's like a, a Shaq Harrison. Maybe they're like, we want to bring him back right. for the playoffs or something like that. Um, and really, the only other option would, would be to cut Compazzo, um, which that's a little bit more money to swallow. Um, but it would free up about $100,000 uh, just because of an, an incentive in Compazzo's contract. Uh, that's non-guaranteed. So if they do waive him, it would free up about a hundred grand that they could use um, on the next guy that they choose to replace. Um, and as, as long as all this stuff happens at least like four days from now, um, they would be able to stay under the tax most likely. So what is the date that you're looking at there for that? Because if you talk about four days, look, we think DeMarcus Cousins gets signed tomorrow, but there is always a chance it's Sunday, which would line up with this four days that they would just use the whole weekend to make these decisions. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing is uh, Cousins' contract is going to count for like 420000 against the cap and against the tax. Um, and so if on Friday you were to cut Compazzo and sign somebody else, you could sign somebody that same day because of that hundred grand you're saving. Um, and you could stay under the tax still, um, barring a really deep playoff run. Um, but then if you keep Compazzo and cut Vlatko, you'd probably have to wait an extra, uh, I think it's like four or five days to sign the replacement just because of that extra hundred grand um, gotcha. put you into the tax based on the incentives at the end of the year. Gotcha. So there's like a, is it no matter who they would sign, it's kind of the exact same price. It's like a prorated minimum. Is that the idea? Yeah, pretty much the cash that you actually pay is a little different. Um, but just the way the NBA reimburses teams for certain veterans, um, guys with at least two years of experience are always going to have the same cap hit, um, which would be most players, I would assume, that Denver would sign. If right. it's a guy younger than that, it would be a smaller cap hit. Um, but I don't see any of those guys available uh, that would really make sense for Denver. The other reason I don't think they would do this with Faku in particular, I actually think it's, it's funny how Ryan Blackburn put out a – um, a trio that has been crushing it for the Nuggets, and it was Monte, Jokic, and Austin Rivers. And you look at that, and you I think a lot of people wouldn't guess it. Austin Rivers, to me, frustrating as he may be with his jab steps and this or that or not making wide-open shots, sometimes he goes cold. He's a guy that I think is a playoff player. Like You, you could count on him to do certain things in the playoffs. Bones is such a wild card. I would not be surprised, as my friend Miroslav on Serbian Corner has said, that I would not be surprised if if Faku checked into a playoff game and actually made a big impact. I don't oh, yeah. know that he's a every game of a series player. Denver clearly has him out of the rotation, but I would not be surprised if he checked into the fourth quarter, third late third quarter of a tight playoff game and made a positive imprint. Yeah, and I think Denver knows that absolutely. And I think something I've learned this season is Michael Malone. I think has some pull with personnel. You know, mm. in terms of who the front office is, is adding and targeting and whatnot. I mean, I don't think DeMarcus Cousins is here if it's not for Michael Malone. And, I mean, if I know Michael Malone and, and Tim was like, okay, so we can cut Vlatko or Faku. I mean, that's an easy answer. Yeah. It's definitely Vlatko. Um, so I, I wouldn't bet on any of those happening, but 
I mean, I think Michael Malone would let his opinion yeah. be known there. I know you've talked about, Jake, you've talked about the um, incentives. And this is one of the hard things for Denver is they have incentives built into some of their big contracts. And you don't know if you're going to hit them. They might be playoff incentives. So is that's not public knowledge, is it? And is there like sort of a max incentives that you know Denver wants to keep below this number because that's where, where they're safe? Yeah, so not, not all the incentives are publicly available. Um, but you can find some of them. Um, like I know Jokic, just for making the playoffs, he gets a little bit over a half a million dollars. Um, it's a new G-Wagon. Things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I remember like last year, uh, so Drew Holiday had a really big incentive in his contract for winning the finals. And obviously the Bucks won, and I'm sure they were happy to pay that bill. Um, and it's kind of similar with the Nuggets. They have a few that are like really deep playoff incentives. Uh, so like Jeff Green and Will Barton, as long as they don't get a catastrophic injury here towards the end of the season, um, if Denver goes to the finals, both of those guys will get pretty heavy incentives. I think it's about one and a half million combined. Um, and that would push Denver into the tax. But similar to the Bucks, if they make the finals, I think they'll probably be okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know, Jake. That repeater tax is is awfully daunting. Nay, well, Kron- well, we'll, see. we'll see what they do in a few years. I'm they joking. Might, might I think. So. Cronkies are shelling out money, man, left and right. This is a thing. Um, yeah, to football teams. To fo- hey, man, they won a championship. I don't know. We'll see. Um, last one here. Just when you look at their overall salary cap and how the season has gone so far. Are there any like big things that you're sort of predicting for the Nuggets this offseason as you just kind of look at things and say, I'll bet you this is a guy that gets moved or I'll bet you this is a situation they find themselves in? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, I think Denver's in a unique position this offseason because they do have their first-round pick, which isn't true for all the next few years. Um, it'll either be going to Orlando um or oklahoma city i think is the other one and so between that and the fact that they'll have quite a few guys expiring they'll have Compazzo, rivers um jeff green if he wants to could opt out vlatko will be a free agent i think the thing to watch is really how many of these role players are more than just one year guys um so that means like cousins that means bryn forbes is he a guy that they want to re-sign this summer um, and I think he's really the key one I would watch. Uh, how big of a role does he have in the playoffs? Is he a guy that Malone relies on every night? Or is he kind of a spot guy? Um, and Malone prefers to go with Rivers sometimes. Uh, if, it's that, if it's that option, then I'm not sure they'll keep Forbes going forward. But um, if he's a guy that's an every night playoff rotation guy, um, I think he'll be somebody that they'll look to keep. Um, and so just seeing how some of those role players play um, in the playoff run here, I think will be really telling to how Denver wants to build going forward. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see a, a guy like Jamichael Green with a player option. It's a good money; like he's making good money. He hasn't had a great year. I just, I it would be so shocked if he if he declined it, just just because I think he'd be more inclined to work with the team to get traded or just come back or, or, or just say, Hey, you guys figure that out. I'm taking my money. I do feel like the playbook here though. And we even saw it last summer with him. And yeah, last year he was coming off a better year than this season, but I feel like the playbook on player options now is to just decline it and then 
get the same one plus one deal. But would he get that now? I, I, I'll but ask you, you this but one. I you're think you would even do that for s- slightly less money than Maybe. you're making this year, just average. What's your your read on his market value? Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure he would get what uh, his player option is going to be. But I think the question with him would be. Well, if I decline this now, maybe I could get like a three-year, yeah, twenty million dollar deal. Whereas if I if I opt in next summer, I might only get ten million or something. Right. And I think you have to kind of look at it long term uh, with him and see can I secure more long term money um, by opting out of this option. All right, let me put you on the spot, and then we'll get out of here. But uh, give me one. Give me your boldest prediction for the rest of the year. It can be for a player. It could be for the team. It could be anything. Do you have a bold prediction in you? A bold prediction. Could be Yoke and MVP. Uh, think- could be uh, second <laughs> round. In in a similar way to what Austin Rivers did last playoffs, I think Bones Highland will win the Nuggets a playoff game this year. I like wow. it. Wow. So- Bones winning a so playoff obviously, game. Obviously, like Jokic is like the main reason you win, you know. But similar to what Austin did last year, I think we'll see that from Bones. Bones doing it is just like ten times more fun than Austin Rivers oh did. Like Austin God. Rivers was a lot of fun. We all yeah. did the champ. But if Bones gets you one, it'd be like, come on, that'd be iconic. So it'd be crazy. All right, he is Bronco Squatch, aka Jake Coin. Jink, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day, man. Especially on late notice. Hey, thank you guys. Take care. Have a thanks, good one. Jake. All right, take care. All right, let's hit a break. On the other side, we're going to celebrate Jamal Murray a little bit and maybe even talk about the news around the media water coolers lately, guys. Media kicked out of the locker rooms, Harrison. (laughs) Never back. Let's complain about that together. I can't wait. Let's do it. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. If you're in the Denver area, stop into the DNVR bar. We got a bunch of different Breck brews on tap. We've also got Breck Brew Seltzers, a bunch of flavors. They're cooling in the fridge right now. Uh, so if you're in the area, stop by Corner Colfax in New York to the DNVR bar. If you're not, hit up the Breck Brew Beer Locator uh, at breckbrew.com. It will tell you exactly where to get Breckenridge Brewery, no matter where you are in Colorado, Texas, California, wherever you are, it will tell you where you can get Breck Brew. Uh, so if you're in the, in the area, stop into the DNVR bar. If you're not, hit up the Breck Brew Beer Locator and, of course, pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager. It's the beer of the Nugget season. It's what we drink during the NBA season. So pick up some Mile High City Copper Lager today. Also, Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. It's too good to pass up. Bet just $1 on any team. Get $150 in free bets if that team wins. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on the NBA with same-game parlays. So if you're not a new user, get in on some same-game parlays. Make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? 1-800-522-4700. And we're back. Guys, it is so. We just had Nikola Jokic's birthday uh, earlier this week, and Jamal. I kind of love that their birthdays fall on the same week. 
I kind of yeah, love it. It's nice. It's just a cool thing. It's like they could always celebrate birthdays together. I hope it becomes a thing where 30 years from now, we see pictures of those two celebrating somewhere in the world together. I birthdays. don't think that's going to happen, but we either. could hope. But we, we, we can, can hope. Read. We can write our own little fan fiction here yeah. uh, for a while. So he turned 25. Yoke turning 27 is like, it, it's honestly messing with me. So old now. Murray, 25, still feels young. Yeah. Yeah. When do you start feeling old? 26? No, 27. I'm telling you, 27. I feel like 26 with Jamal is going to feel old. No, here's why. 27 is your prime. So when you get there, you're like, okay, this is it. 26, not quite your prime. It's like the last year of your pre-prime. Yeah. Maria has two more years of pre-prime. Okay. I like that. I like that trajectory. So there we go. Um, I'll say this, man. I, I, Jokic misses Murray. I think I miss him a little bit more. <laughs> My appreciation and just love for Murray has grown so much over the last two years, really, like starting with that bubble run. But you go back, like, man, today has been one of those days. We put out a tweet where we're like, share, us, share with us your favorite memory of, of Murray, you know, with the Nuggets. And yeah. you start going through and you're like, holy hell. There's so many just great moments where you're and like, there's also a lot just grouped into two weeks. <laughs> there are <laughs> a lot of, span. There, there are a lot there. Um, but let's go through the list. Harrison, you made a list here of some of your personal favorites here. Let's go. Let's relive these together. Well, I feel like the first one you've got to start with is game two versus the Spurs. You know, the first time this group has been in the playoffs, 2019. And if you flash back to game two against the Spurs, the Nuggets were in an 0-1 hole. They lost that first game at home. They were trailing by double digits in the second half of game two. We're looking at each other in the arena being like, this is it. I I mean, you go down 0-2 to the Spurs at home. We know how tough it is to win in that Spurs arena. The Nuggets never win there. It they felt, did win oh once yeah, there, that was, series. It was like 12 years or something where they had yeah, one, and you're like, But you no go way. down 0-2 to a team coached by Greg Popovich and a team as young as the Nuggets were. Were they, were they the three seed that year? I think they were. They were the two, right? The two seed. Right? The two seed. I, mean, I, can't, I remember it was a high seed. 2-7. Yeah, you oh. go down 0-2 to the Spurs, drop the first two at home. You're not coming back from that, although we know this Nuggets well, group has some incredible yeah. comebacks in them. But at that point, there's no way that team as young as they were were coming back from 0-2. I don't think you can set the stakes high enough for this one because it did feel like everybody kept talking about the Nuggets being a regular season team. They'd never been to the playoffs. It wasn't even like Memphis this year where everyone has a healthy respect, if not skepticism for them it was even worse than that where denver we did we made fraud city because everyone was talking about them as if not like memphis nobody's saying they're frauds they might be saying they're young and inexperienced but they're not saying frauds with denver everybody was like they're fraudulent and the spurs were not a good team and that game two first of all they lose game one and that game two like it wasn't just that they were trailing i was certain they were going to lose it well, I Murray was, was playing really bad up until the fourth the quarter in game two. And in game one, he shot eight of 23 from the field and missed a wide open mid range jumper right. with yeah, nine seconds yep, left right. that would have given the Nuggets the lead. That's um, right. And then I think he turned it over on a potential game tying possession next time down the floor. But the narrative at that point in the series was like, Jamal Murray's not ready. Right. And he's changed it all. In the fourth quarter. And it really was our first glimpse of, hey, this is a big game player. This yep. is a guy that, like, he's he's going to go to another level when his back's against the wall, which has proven out every single time their back's have been against the wall since then. 
They were down by 19 in the middle of the third quarter. I'm telling you, I've never been more convinced of a thing than I was at that moment down 19. I'm like, they're going to get murdered by the Spurs. They might get swept. I was thinking yep. they might get swept by the seven-seeded Spurs. Oh, it was dark times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, Murray was, was awesome crazy. that one. All right, let's go. Let's keep going. He cooked, by the way. Go watch those highlights. He was cooking. <laughs> so, I mean, then the next one is we go to the bubble, you know? Okay. We go to the bubble playoffs and game four versus the Jazz, which was actually a loss. Denver goes down 3-1. Right. But Murray goes for 50 points. He shoots 9 of 15 from three. Yeah. One of the hottest performances until game six that <laughs> I've ever watched. Well, he had a great game one that was incredible. It was outshined a little bit by Mitchell by Mitchell's 50 because I think he had like 40 or 36 or something, but it was a great performance. And, of course, he took the video, if you remember, after game one. Didn't he hit three threes in overtime of that game too? Was it three threes? Yeah. Three threes in overtime? I mean, he was fantastic in that game, and I remember him taking the video of Donovan Mitchell eating alone. Do you remember after game one? Of course, one, he's like, yeah. That's how weird the it's bubble is. It's just like the middle of the day, yeah. and Donovan <laughs> Mitchell is just like eating a Sunday at the pool. Yeah, like, he's like, wow, Disneyland, this is it, Disney, Disney World. By the way, I went, I went to the bubble. This is where I was last week. Oh, I went yeah. to the bubble. Was, Did you uh, stay at the uh, Grandestino? I, I, saw, I saw like Coronado or whatever. Well, I can't remember all the names of them. Grandestino, Yacht Club, the Club and, and the... Wasn't that Coronado Hills or whatever or something Fl- like that? No. Flori- Grand Floridian. Grand Floridian. How could we forget? How could we forget? Oh, uh, Bumblopoly. Um, <laughs> all right, so then you go on to get to game six because this was, to me, well, this is the. I was going to go game five, 42 8 and 8. Also a great and one. And he has the 360 layup around Rudy Gobert in game five, <laughs> too. He was so good in every game. Like games one, four, five, six, right. and seven. He was just so great. And then game six, of course. His best game to date. 50 points. His best game to Listen date. Listen to this efficiency, though 17 of 24 from the field. Killer. Nine of twelve from three, and then the post game moment yep. afterward. What was even cool? Well, the post game moment it was just the best ever. Like just, I mean, like from that, I fell in love with him. You know, I loved him, but then fell in love with him at that moment. But the game that fourth quarter, he had fifty. But if you remember, the, it was a close game. Nuggets take the lead, and, and then it's, they kind of put it away. It was close. It was still like six, seven, eight points, but it was comfortable enough where they were probably or almost certainly going to win. And he just kept going. Right. He hits like five more, right. five nails in the coffin. Like he just kept putting nails in the coffin of that yeah. game, and it was like, oh hell yeah! It was one of those situations where you're like, he just hits the most ridiculous looking three, yeah. and then he just one ups it yeah, on the next possession, and then one ups it again. The best one of that game was it, this was another nail in the coffin. Like the game was already out of reach. The three on one fast break, and he pulls up for three. Yeah, and drains it. You even look at Michael Porter's face where he's kind of like, what the hell? I had of a dunk. It's like doesn't matter. I got a three. <laughs> yeah, and then the funniest part about the jazz series which gets lost in translation a little bit he was awful in game seven everybody on earth was except for yoke i mean yoke had 30 and 14 there was (laughs) honestly that was a game where there was all bad players in one Jokic. yep yep murray went shot seven to 21 you go to the next round uh so yeah the next round you know murray doesn't have like the signature game until game seven yeah game seven was this when he goes for 40 on 15 of 26 shooting, 6 of 13 from three, and they just blow out the Clippers. But he didn't even hit 30, you know, in a game throughout the first six games of that series. That's he had true. 27 in game two, 26 in a win in game five, but you know, didn't have that explosion until game seven. 
He did have the coolest moment, though, of the series. There was actually two. One of them is when he hits the, I mean, the icer in Kawhi Leonard's face. I mean, guys don't realize. This is why when people talk about Jamal Murray and they always like, the one that's always funny is how they compare him to Devin Booker. And for some reason, Devin Booker just always gets elevated above Murray or for whatever reason. And I always look at this and I always want to go like, you guys realize he went up against an elite defensive duo and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and just like clown them. Yeah. Like clowned them. Uh, and, and when nobody was expecting Denver to, and he hits that three right in Kawhi Leonard's face that was over it. But then the best one was the steal where Jeremy Grant dunks it on the break, and he screams, go home. Go home. Go Leave home. the bubble. Go, go back home. to your families. And it was just the <laughs> Get greatest. out of this place. Like, it just bit. It just stung so hard. I could feel. I almost felt bad for the Clippers in that moment. <laughs> wow. Almost. Almost. Yeah. Not quite. And then the other one I've got here from the bubble, the up and under against the Lakers in yeah. game four. Just a silly play, man. A ridiculous play. I think it was game – so the Nuggets lose game two. I think it was game – oh, it was game four or game five where LeBron takes over down the stretch. And Murray was also taking over down the stretch. And LeBron gets away with two egregious fouls. I remember SportsCenter tweeted out the highlight of one where it's like, I can't believe LeBron just made that play and the slow they show the actual slow motion replay that's just like the worst foul ever. And you're like, what play? He didn't make a play. Yeah. He just got away with a horrible foul. And it pisses me off because I do think I don't remember if it was four or five, but I do feel like that was another Murray classic in the making that we were robbed of for the LeBron uh narrative builder. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been. So lame. So lame. And then the other Murray one I've gotten here is from you know, last regular season when he went for 50 against the Cavs. With no free throws. 50 points on 21 of 25 shooting, 8 of 10 from 3, I think and he did missed not his last shot attempt too. a free throw. I think he was 21 of 24 and missed a shot. So, because I think it was, there was some quite crazy stat baked into it that he missed it. Like that no player had ever done that right. with only missing three or two or. Then he missed the third one. You're like, damn yeah. it, that sucks. It's just but still. ridiculous. Um, ridiculous efficiency. The guy isn't unbelievable. And the thing that's crazy about him is that he really was getting better and better and better. And, I mean, who knows this year what the future holds for him, um, you know, this year or what he'll look. Although I, I will say the Nuggets just posted their Twitter account, just posted a video. I, I, this is why I wanted to see him today. He's looked a little puffy to me. And I'm looking at this video. Puffy. Puffy, he just looked a little puffy. Like I'm just not. I'm not saying he looks fat or this or that, but it just puffy. Looks, he looks like a guy that probably had five to ten pounds to cut, like a wrestler or something. You know, like you. There's the like the weigh in weight when you see boxers where they just are like ripped and have zero body fat, and then you see him like maybe three weeks before where yeah. they haven't quite cut weight yet. That's what Murray looked like. Like he hadn't cut weight yet, but I see this video of him today and he looks better than I've ever seen him. At least it's just a video, but I'm looking at him and nice. I'm going. Hell yeah, that gets me a little nice. bit more excited. I'm upgrading it. I'm nice. taking before the 20th now. <laughs> okay. Okay. The Nuggets need him, though. I mean, I'm just so encouraged by how damn good Nikola Jokic has been this season, how damn good Aaron Gordon has been, how good the Nuggets – I mean, the Nuggets winning against Milwaukee and Golden State right before the break has completely changed their season. They should have lost those games. But yeah. the fact that they won them – has given them this nice little cushion up on Minnesota. It's made their record like a lot more respectable than it would have been if you just switched those games to losses. And you think about just how good they can be. Forget Michael Porter for a second. Just with that version of Jamal Murray that we saw developing over the last couple seasons before he got hurt. And I just think they give me reason to believe. I honestly, I just, I buy Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic as a duo that wins a championship. Yeah. And coming out of the break, these next six games are so important, I feel like, because Denver's going to be favored in all of them. Right. 
But they're also really Are they scary. favored tomorrow? I haven't looked. They're they're favored, I think, by four. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, but there you go. I don't they're favored. Check. On paper, they should win all six of these games, but these two games against the Kings are kind of scary, man. The Kings have a bit of a new identity with Sabonis there. He's put up some big numbers. These two games are a little scary. If the Nuggets manage to go 6-0 and win nine games in a row, three before, then the six after... They probably will have about a five because I look at Minnesota's schedule. They've got some tough games coming up. They've got James Harden's debut. <laughs> they have to play that one. <laughs> they have to play against him for that. They got Memphis. They got the Clippers. So there is a chance that Denver can be up five or six games in the lost column with like 18 to go, which would be not a lock, but pretty close to a lock for, okay, you're going to be a top six seed. And from there, the pressure is off. Then Murray can come back. You're not worried about oh, we got to rest Murray, he's ruining it for it. Like you, you have enough cushion that you're like, you know what, if we lose this game we didn't expect, we're still fine. And that's why I, I don't know that the team looks at it that way. Talking to Jokic, he certainly didn't seem like the sense of urgency that we have to do this. But I hope they do take care of business because that cushion, to me, really can sneaky affect the way they handle the rest of the year. Yeah, and I mean, if you're the sixth seed, that might be the best place for this team to be. Because you get Memphis. I know Memphis has took it to the Nuggets this season already, and they're a scary opponent. But, I mean, i definitely rather play them than Golden State, you know, obviously than Phoenix. So you want to avoid the play-in at all costs. Well, that does it for today, guys. We've had a great week of shows. If you missed out, uh, I did a solo pod on Monday. Uh, Harrison joined for segment three, talked about the MVP, gave some real – my opinion, real reasons why Jokic has a strong case for it, uh, as well as talk to some other things about the 75th anniversary. Uh, yesterday had a bunch of people on from around the league to talk about the Grizzlies, talk about the Jazz, talk about the Mavericks and the Timberwolves to predict where they're going to be at the end of the year. So you're going to want to check that one out. And then tomorrow we are back right here in studio. Superstar Dev will be in the house. D-Line will be in the house. And we'll have a great show for you as we get back on the saddle. Back on the saddle. Thanks. Hit that like button on the way out. We'll see everybody tomorrow.